Sue Nelson and for the next half hour or so we're going to be talking all things food and drink and we've got the second of our speciality and fine food fair specials today. So last week I uh, interviewed five uh, lovely guests wandering around the show and I've got another four for you. So you're just about to hear from uh, Natural Umber, amazing cider vinegar, The Wasabi Company, Fierce Botanics and Novel Tea. Lovely guests. Um, I hope you enjoy these interviews. I'm at um, Speciality and Fine Food Fair. I'm a bit overwhelmed with the 700 exhibitors we have here from everything from uh, Wagyu beef, which I've eaten loads of because I keep passing by the stand to steal some, uh, to gin, to cheese, to jelly, to jam, to chutney, to crisps to popcorn to you name it anything and I think uh, one of the things that struck me this year is a lot more uh, of the exhibitors are really focused on innovation and also on health Um, so using food products as part of of, of your health regime which has led me rather nicely to be talking to Ellen Quinn now we're at the natural umber stand Uh, You might be trying to guess what natural umber is. Um, And essentially, um, the Mackle family, and uh, Michael Mackle's here, but he's surrounded by a gaggle of women at the moment tasting his products, which is why I'm talking to Ellen. Um, And and the Mackle family have uh, 350 acres of orchards, and they're one of the largest apple growers in the UK. But not content with that, they've developed a new fermentation method to produce a naturally sweet-tasting apple cider vinegar, which is why they've called it natural umber. Now, Ellen, hopefully you'll be able to tell me what the health benefits of apple cider vinegar are. Hi. Uh, Yeah, so uh, organic apple cider vinegar, it's been known for centuries. It's been used for centuries for all of its amazing health benefits. I mean, we need to be careful about what we say it will definitely do, it will definitely not do, but many of our customers use it for all kinds of things, from lowering their cholesterol, their blood pressure, um, it can help people to lose weight by uh, slowing down the body's um, uh, turning sugars into fat cells, and it can also suppress your appetite. Juice blood pressure. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it also has some antibacterial qualities, so it can be really soothing for um, sore throats, coughs and colds, that, that kind of thing. So you can just sort of mix it in some warm water. But just to be clear here, we're not actually stating this as a medicine. We're not making, no, not, we're not no. making some sort of <laughs> clinical claims here. This is just something that's been used for centuries, which, which traditionally people have used for those things. Yeah, absolutely. And we're getting some incredible reviews from people on our website and our Facebook page from people who have just been using apple cider vinegar for many years and um, have always found it very um, stringent and hard to take. Our apple cider vinegar is made differently. It tastes a lot sweeter. You don't need to mix any honey or anything with it. It just tastes delicious on its own. And they're seeing some amazing results for anything from arthritis and gout. Um, Another huge one for us is people saying that it relieves the symptoms of acid reflux, indigestion, IBS. Um, The acetic acid um, goes some way to balance the pH in the stomach, the the bile that rises up your um, 
digestive tract so a lot of people find um, great relief taking it for that reason but like I said we need to be careful about what we say we're not um, medical professionals and, and people should always seek medical advice but it's a really good healthy tonic it's a good way to supplement a healthy diet um, and many people find some great results from it. It might seem bizarre though, because like I'm used to having like vinegar on chips and stuff like that, um, and and maybe using you know oil and vinegar and things. It, it, I didn't realise uh, that actually people will drink, let's say, ten millilitres of this, uh, you know, as a health benefit. Nothing to do with putting it on food, but just having a little swig of that in the morning. Is that actually what people do? Absolutely, I would say um, a lot. A lot of our customers do it that way, and I should also mention. Uh, we won three great taste stars this year um, from the Guild of Fine Food which was an enormous um, affirmation of the taste and the quality of our product Um, just on Sunday as well we were also awarded the Golden Fork which is a a very prestigious award uh, from the Guild of Fine Food um, for for Northern Ireland um, which puts us in the top of the the food products from the year Um, so yes it is used as a a drink um, by many many people but it's also used as an extremely versatile cooking ingredients so you can make salad dressings sauces marinades my husband puts it in omelets which is really delicious and really surprising um, it's an incredibly versatile um, cooking ingredient so it's something that you just have in the food cupboard but um, many people like myself keep it on your desk and just top up some water with it and it's a great way to start the day it's a great way to um, to, to get kickstart your digestive system get everything moving and um, uh, people take it every day in water, still or sparkling. My mum takes it in sparkling water, and she absolutely loves it. So can I can I have a taste then? So I'm going to taste it, you know, straight. I'm going to be brave, um, and, it, and it seems I don't know whether it seems a bit odd to me. So so somebody's going to wake up and, and go right. I'm going to have a little slurp of vinegar here. I mean, I'd, I'd, if it was me, I'd probably have it like straight. I go right. I'm, I'll kick and start my body. I'll just have a quick swig of that. Um, but what you're saying is uh, a lot of people will dilute it. Now, it's a beautiful, beautiful um, goldeny colour, orange, or slightly orangey, actually, golden colour. Um, and, and presumably this is made from all, and it's organic, and it's made from apples in, the, uh, you know, in, in, in your orchards. Uh, well, the apples that um, we use to produce this particular product, uh, we, we source from organic farms. Um, it's a, many people take it neat, and it's, it can be quite delicious taking neat um, I mean that's just made me like wake up you wouldn't believe um, I quite like the pep up of that actually and it does have a vinegar taste of course it does but it's not that horrible god it's, it's actually nice on its own somehow yeah and and you know it, it's still vinegar so it's still acetic acid and it can be uh, damaging to to you know your mouth and your your esophagus if you take it neat too often so many people take it in water to sort of um, soften that um, acidic uh, sort of edge so we were again so can wine so there we go uh, well this is it yeah or brandy or something it's same kind of idea but as long as you're you know, you're doing it sem- sensibly and you take it in uh, moderation you mix it well with water or diluted over food it's just as acidic as, as uh, you know uh, an orange juice or or that kind of thing and and I mean it's all it's all completely natural ingredients it's, it's just apples that are in it that's it's, it's that's all there is to it um, I can't believe the taste though yeah. it, 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 you know if you taste a vinegar it's it's normally um, I'm not using very good words here but it's just sort of straight and and you'll have it and you have a hit you know you'll have that sour hit or whatever but this is this feels much more rounded almost and 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 you know naturally sweet 
Yeah, and uh, some of the judges from the Guild of Fine Food Great Taste Awards were, were saying exactly the same thing. They were saying how it was almost like a little liqueur that they could just sip at it like they would, uh, you know, an alcoholic drink. And that's one of the other things that we've been saying um, to, to customers as well is try this in some sparkling water in an evening and it feels like an alcoholic drink. It has a beautiful round flavour that lingers with you, unlike cordials and, and soft drinks that sort of feel quite sugary and quite... Um, quite uh, harsh on your on your palate this is a beautiful full bodied flavor that stays with you and when mixed with sparkling water or or with you know in in sort of mocktails it can be a really healthy alternative to an alcoholic drink well i'm sort of won over really <laughs> so so um yeah uh, i presume we can order it online is that right is there can, is there anywhere else we can get it yeah, we have some some shops and stockists in uh, London and the South East. Um, we've got uh, quite a few shops in Northern Ireland where we're from, so lots of shops in Belfast, uh, in Portadown and Dungannon, and uh, lots of shops around London and the South East. If you go to our website, it's naturalumber.com forward slash stockists. Um, we can also sell on our website or on Amazon. It's free delivery to the UK. Um, so get yourself some is what I would say get yourself some so we'll do a link from the um, the Food Talk website obviously and um, I think I'm going to have a little taste so um, so Ellen Quinn thank you very much Um, if you want to look at the um, benefits of uh, cider vinegar you better Google it but particularly the benefits of natural umber organic yeah, apple cider you, vinegar you mentioned the color earlier and that's something we should maybe just would talk about the the name natural umber the word umber is a shade of um earthy earthy brown and, I think and that's what that this looks like reflects the color of this apple cider vinegar because most other cider vinegars are very yellowy and pale whereas ours has a beautiful deep color and that reflects the sort of earthy tones of of, of the apples and where it's grown so yeah for sure. So, um, so thank you very much for joining us. And, and don't forget to Google Natural Umber. Cheers, Alan. Thank you very much. So I've wandered past a, um, uh, a very interesting looking stand. It's called The Wasabi Company. Uh, England, uh, The Wasabi Company. And um, I didn't believe that we grew wasabi um, in the UK. Probably not even in Europe. Um, but I'm with Nick Russell. Um, Nick, do you, you actually grow this stuff, don't you? Yeah, so we started farming wasabi uh, back in 2010. Uh, originally watercress farmers. This was a bit of a diversification for us, really. Um, we took it to market two years later, and that's pretty much the length of growth time you need for a wasabi plant. Um, and we've had yeah, great feedback from then um, to the point where it brings us here today. I love the way you're downplaying exactly what you're doing. So basically, your, your family have been growing watercress on their farm since the 1850s. And apparently somebody visited you and, and commented that actually the way that you grew watercress and, and the way that worked was actually the conditions were quite similar to wasabi. So where does that go from somebody having a conversation to you, then saying to the rest of your family, do you know what, I think we should grow wasabi? I mean, how did that go down? Yeah, I mean, it started with just a few plants. I think it was uh, like four or five plants to start with. That went in turn into a few hundred and, and then, you know, a few thousand. We, we were really lucky to have the amount of experience we had behind us uh, and also a couple of redundant Victorian watercress beds. You know, not everybody's got them kicking around their back garden, you know. So we were very lucky geographically, too, to have the natural spring water forcing its way up out of the ground, feeding all the plants exactly what they need. So where's the farm? Uh, we've got one, uh, one of our bigger farms is just outside Winchester. Um, we try to keep the location a little bit on the down low because we don't want everyone uh, popping by. Uh, and it's best to pop by our website, really, uh, than the farm. But yeah. So 
secret location. That's interesting. Now, um, I'm just going to describe a wasabi plant to you. Um, sometimes you do see um, things like mooli and things like that in supermarkets, but I don't think I've ever seen raw wasabi in a supermarket in the UK. Is that correct? Yeah, there's there's no supermarket retailing raw wasabi at the moment. Um, it's uh, one of those products that is quite expensive, um, and that's kind of testament to how hard it is to grow, certainly on a commercial level. Um, it, it will be uh, a brave supermarket to plaster it all over their shelves first, and we're certainly here if they want to do that. Um, what we're doing at Speciality Fine Food Fair today is uh, looking for those independent retailers that think they've got a market um, for, for this sort of product. So I've, I've got a, I've got a route in front of me now. Now um, um, it, the bit of the wasabi that we all love um, is is like a stem that sticks up above the earth, and then and then it all sort of branches out into leaves. Is that stem that you use, isn't it? Yeah. So um, it grows similarly to a palm tree, and so as as the petioles, the stems drop away, it creates this elongated trunk. It's not as big as a palm tree, um, but yeah. So we, we then remove the head of the plant and we grate the stem to create the paste. So are you going to do a little bit of that for me now? So I've got a little. I've got a. I've got a. I would say it's about seven or eight centimeters long um it's um about 10 centimeters uh in diameter um and uh, at the moment nick's just cutting off the the, the the top for me and as you peel it away it's almost like um something like um i would say parsnip you know you peel or carrot you peel away that skin and then underneath you've got this this very light green the color that we're very used to with wasabi uh, underneath now that stuff is pretty dangerous isn't it yeah, so the really interesting part about this plant for me is what we're going to do right now when we grate it. Okay, so when we, when we grate it, we break it up at a cellular level and we combine those cells and they kickstart what is actually quite a volatile chemical reaction and that's what we eat. So we can actually eat chemistry, which is, which is pretty cool. Um, that does have a timeline though, so any chemical reaction is going to burn out and so this flavour is only really going to stick around for about 10-15 minutes and it will peak after about 5 minutes. So that's how you really know you're getting fresh wasabi. Well, so, so I didn't know that. So, so if you grate it, um, so it's not like a chili where you eat a chili and it, you know the chili be like that for ages. This this has a this has a a window, I suppose, of of, of taste. Yeah, you've got that little window of opportunity, but because the taste changes over time, you get to pick when you eat it and how you like it. So when we start off here, I'm just going to start grating away. Um, and so it's going to take a couple of minutes for that flavour to fully ignite and for that chemical reaction to, to kick off. So, so what Nick's doing now is he's got a grater that looks a little bit like a shovel, a tiny shovel. And he's actually grating in a circular action, very fine uh, grater. And already, which is not like any other vegetable actually that I've ever seen, it's actually going into a, a smooth paste. It's not grating. You know, if you grate ginger, you, you, you'll get you, the sort of um, threads of ginger, you know, the, but, but this doesn't at all. Yeah, the graters are really key, uh, and they're specifically designed for grating wasabi. Traditionally, it was done on shark skin, and so they used to stretch shark skin over a block of wood and, and use that for grating. Um, I'm told it was angel shark, which is on the UNESCO endangered list. So we're, we're pleased to say that we've got an aluminium grater today. God, I can't believe... <laughs> I can't believe how people do these things. You know, historically how that works. Now, there, now there's a dangerous-looking pile of, of fresh wasabi. Um, 
it's sort of puree, if you like. And, and if, if any of you have been to a Japanese restaurant, I'm sure you're used to having that on the side of your plate to mix with soy sauce normally. Um, this, this is much paler, though. It's, it's quite pale colour. It is, yeah. Um, a lot of uh, the products you, you will get out on the market is, is kind of, um, it's a little bit of a, a fake product, really. You see a lot of horseradish uh, with food colorings and e-numbers in it to, to generate a similar dining experience. And they do that because fresh wasabi is rare and it is expensive. Um, that's why what we've got here is um, not quite so luminescent. It's more of a natural color. It does have the green um, and that will change from, from plant to plant. The color, the color will differ quite a bit. So we've got a natural pace there. So you take this, you've got your window, so I presume you then look at things in which you can put the, uh, the wasabi, and you've got a wasabi mayonnaise and a wasabi mustard here. Uh, does the mayonnaise and the mustard actually trap the flavour? Is that why, why it's so, so, so good to have wasabi in it? Yeah, so what, we, what we've done with the mayo and the mustard is we've used the fat content to stop this chemical reaction, so we're stopping it from oxidising. Basically, and so we're locking that flavour in to the mayos and mustards to try and hold the complexity that is fresh wasabi. It's not just the heat, there's creaminess and nuttiness, there's, there's quite a range. I think that's what strikes me having a look at that. It looks incredibly creamy, but that's just you grating it. You haven't added anything to it. It's a beautiful natural ingredient. I've, no, I've just never seen it. I've always assumed it would be that horrible stuff you get out of like a, a tube that, that's almost luminescent, yeah. Yeah, and there's been a number of people today that have come up to the stand and were like, hang on, that's wasabi? Because it's quite an odd-looking vegetable, really, and especially if you haven't seen it before. I guess we're quite used to it now. We're kind of you know, seasoned wasabi knowers. But, um, yeah, there's been, there's been a lot of surprise. Well, I'm, I'm really impressed by what uh, the wasabi company are doing, and it's great that it's, it's coming out of a farm that, that's been around for hundreds of years and, and you've found something really incredible to grow. I've already tasted the wasabi mayonnaise. I was here at the show on Sunday, uh, just to tell you, Nick, and I, I nicked some of your wasabi mustard. Uh, uh, yes, which was very naughty of me, and I've already had that at home. That is great. So if any of you are really interested in tasting proper wasabi you need to go uh, to the wasabi company can, can you buy it online yeah so as i say we launched sunday so it's really new but we have launched it on our website as well the wasabi company uh, .co.uk um, and we are leaning out to retailers so hopefully it will come to a farm shop near you you know so come on retailers, supermarkets, get the real thing in your, in your shops. Um, we will do a link, obviously, from the Food Talk website. Um, and Nick, Russell, thank you so much from the Wasabi Company. No, it's a pleasure. Thank you. I'm at um, Speciality and Fine Food Fair at Olympia. There are 700 um, lovely people here selling what they do. Um, and I've come across uh, Amanda Sourin, who is making something called apothecary tonic now we've recently heard obviously about tonic water and um, all sorts of things in the press um, but I think I think Amanda is a, a traditional apothecary who heads up a team of 10 10 women and two men what is an apothecary Amanda well apothecary is an old term for a herbalist and my background is as a herbalist and a homeopath and so what I brought to the party I suppose is a, a a really very good knowledge of plants. I've been working with plants for about 30 years now. So, yeah, that's what I do. 
And uh, I know on your site, on your website, it says you're hugely committed to plant-based products. And, and then your, your, your website is very funny. And I, and, I, and I suspect that it's your humour that's coming through on your website. So, for example, you say that in your hunt for sustainable ingredients, you and your team have scaled mountains, scoured meadows and searched coastlines. You've battled midges, mosquitoes and other scary flying and scuttling things. You've slept in rooms with bats confronted tarantulas and outrun hornets you've been too hot too cold too wet is, is that is that your job as the maker as this business to just go around the world and find these weird places and find plants well actually it it is it is my job and um what's been really interesting for me is that i work with the isle of harris distillery up in the outer hebrides so i'm up there so um when I first started working with them, I just took an OS map and started walking across the island and eating, eating my way across the island, just picking up little things just to see what they tasted like. And this is natural things that you're finding on your way? Completely. So from the Mecca, which is down by the sea, um, up into the mountains, I went off picking and finding and found some incredible bitters and beautiful plants that I've started to use in, in, fact, in this tonic. And then um, in Cyprus, where I used to live, in the, uh, up in the mountains in Cyprus, of course, I go up there and I'm hunting around, picking and fetching and looking, making little marks on my map of where I found things so I can go back and find them again another year. And so it's a fantastic job. It is a fantastic job. It sounds to me like um, a couple of hundred years ago where, where Britain was famous for, for going around the world and exploring and you'd get all these, um, you know, a bit like Charles Darwin and stuff, they'd go around and find all new species that hadn't been discovered before and then, then put them in a little test tube or a box or something and bring them back for people to look at and gawp at. It feels like you're taking on that tradition, really. It's just it's the natural you know, plant world for you. It is, it is very like that, actually, and I do pick lots and lots of things. And what's very interesting with plants is that you can use so many different parts of them. So there's the flower and the leaf and the seed and the root. So if you go back to the same place, to the same plant, at different points in the season, what you get is a completely different flavour profile. I love that. I really love that. So you must have notebooks, again, like they did you know, in, the, in, in a couple of hundred years ago when they were exploring, so, so that you remember stuff and you remember what time. But, but you, must have, you must have copious notes all over the place. I do. Um, actually, I have lots and lots of notebooks, and I have many, many jam jars. Um, and I always forget to um, label them. And so one of my colleagues called Julie uh, describes herself as an Amanda Wrangler. And so when I go in with lots of jam jars and put them on the table, she... Um, she sits down with me and says, right, let's just get this done. Let's get these things labelled properly. So, yeah. So, so that's really important because you need to know, you know, what the flavours are and then, then you can come back. So how do you know what to eat and what not to eat? I mean, have you poisoned yourself at all? <laughs> no, no, I haven't. How do you know, though? I mean, it could be anything. <laughs> I always have a very, very good plant identification notebook with me. And to be honest with you, you know, there are some incredible apps now so you can take a picture with the app and it'll pretty much identify the plant for you. But 30 years I've been doing this, I mean, I really know plants. So it's unusual to come across something that's completely unexpected. Thank goodness for that. So, um, so you're making this, 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 uh, this lovely um, stuff. It's, it's called Fierce Botanics. Now, tonic waters are, are big in the news at the moment uh, for all sorts of reasons, um, mostly because people seem to be making multi-million pounds deals of, or whatever. But yours isn't actually uh, uh, what I would call a tonic that goes with gin and tonic. It's, it's a thing in itself, isn't it? It's very much so. Yeah, it is. What I was very keen to do was to produce something that wasn't a tonic water. So it, it's like an untonic. Um, and although that sounds quite a mad thing to do, in actual fact, there's the sense in it. Um, 
So we made two hundred. We made it in two hundred and fifty ml bottles, so that it's good enough for people to drink as a long drink. And I wanted people to have the option to drink something that was uh, complex and interesting, um, with a whole variety of bitter ingredients, so that you felt satisfied by that one drink. You can add spirits to it. It's beautiful with spirits added, but you don't have to. And that's the difference. Most tonic waters, you just wouldn't really dream of drinking as something yummy by themselves. This, you can really drink as something yummy. There are some main brands that have tried to do advertising to say, you know, you've had a really hard day at work, the kids are screaming, you come in, open a bottle of tonic water. That, for me, doesn't (laughs) ring true, does it? No. <laughs> I'm glad we agree on that. So, um, so would you mind pouring me uh, uh, one of these as I'm, I'm trying to hi- hold the microphone at the same time? Um, and it's called Fierce. Um, and uh, why Fierce Botanics? It's called Fierce Botanics because, well, for two reasons actually. One is that it's mainly women. Oops, uh, mainly women in the company. And and what's that got to do with Fierce? We're all Fierce, aren't we? No, no, we're not. But actually, all the women in my company, pretty much, are over 45. And I think there's something about being an older woman in business, especially when there's a lot of you. We're quite a formidable force, actually. And, uh, and I also think to be in this business at this point, at this kind of age, you've got to be fierce to get in there because it's, it's such a male-dominated environment. The drinks industry is so male-dominated. So we as women wanted to kind of, you know, go, here we are, we're here. And the other reason it's called Fierce is we're completely uncompromising. So... When we say that it's, it's a botanical drink, it is a botanical drink. When we say that we're ethically sound, we are ethically sound. So we stick to our principles. And that's pretty fierce, actually. That means that I'm, I'm eligible to apply if any yeah. jobs are going down your, <laughs> down your way. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> OK, so I'm just about to drink this. Tell me what's in it while I'm having a slurp. So what you have in this are 200 roses of uh, five or six different varieties, and we grow those organically in um, Plumpton on an 80-acre on an organic farm. So um, that's a really important thing for us, that we grow as much of it as we possibly can. Uh, one of the bittering ingredients is gentian. So you get with this particular tonic, you get a, a long bitter. So it hits the front of your tongue, the middle, and then the back. And those three bittering ingredients have that long, lovely, long bitter. And then it, we balance that with sweetness. And then the most important thing about it is it has actual chinchona bark in. So all other tonic companies use uh, quinine extract. And I don't like quinine extract. I think it's quite revolting, actually. So what I wanted to do was to use the actual bark. So I phoned my sister-in-law, who lives in Ecuador, and said to her... Um, have you got any cinchona growing on your hacienda? And actually, she did. That's so, unbelievable. I know. So she brings over the cinchona bark to me, which I'm allowed to import because I'm a herbalist. So although it's a restricted product, for me, it's not a restricted product. So it's perfect. So I've just had a slurp of that. Now, uh, it's just quite complex, so it's quite interesting. Um, I've still got an aftertaste now, so, it's, it, so it's, there's a really long taste, taste profile on it, which is really, really good. Um, I would say that is incredibly refreshing. I wouldn't say it was bitter, actually. So I know we use the term bitters, but, that, but that, you know that's a herbal term. But but I would say it's it's, it's not sweet. It's it's it's, it's quite complicated. It's very grown up, but it's got that. It's it's almost like sparkling water, and it has that very refreshing, mountainy type taste to me. Does that sound right? Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. It is. Um, when we talk about bitters. Uh, it's actually about a, a sensation you have on your palate, and it's not a, 
a, an unpleasant bitter taste. It's a balance between sweetness and sweet and sour, really. Uh, and I think I think we achieved that really, really well. And we went. You become totally obsessive when you do this. And um, so I became fixated on bubble size. Oh God. Anyway, so I wanted lots of little bubbles. So that instead of it kind of popping and fizzing in your mouth, which I don't like, um, which a more notable tonic has, um, I went for lots of little bubbles, so it kind of tickles your palate as it goes over, so you get the proper full taste of the botanicals. That was what was really important to me. And, and for me, quite a lot of tonics, actually, I, don't, I, don't, I do think they're too carbonated and, um, and, and, and a, a little bit um, unsophisticated, actually, which is why I think this tastes a little bit like amazing spring water is because it, it gives you that sort of fresh freshness and that's because you've got tiny bubbles. Yeah, it is all about the tiny bubbles. <laughs> Amanda's completely insane. So where can, we, where can we get this? It's called Fierce Botanic. So you, you've got a range and it's very popular here at the um, Speciality and Fine Food Fair, uh, uh, the whole three days we've been here uh, where can we find it so if you're based in Sussex it's really easy um, we're at Glyndebourne Opera House Charleston Farmhouse in Lewis we've got stockists uh, symposium the depot we have a shop ourselves in Lewis called Ayers Apothecary and you can come and buy both gin and tonic in our shop um, over in Brighton you can get hold of it it's served in all kinds of bars and clubs it's yeah we're, we're kind of slowly working our way out of Sussex <laughs> Um, and can, can you order it online, get it delivered? Yes, you can order it online. So it's um, www.fiercebotanics.com. So you can order it and we'll post it. And actually we send it all over the world now. It's incredible, actually. I, I, I really like what you're doing. I mean, I think a lot of people have got very good brands and they've got a very good backstory. But I think what's really interesting about what you're doing, Amanda, is it absolutely um, is completely imbued throughout the, throughout the company. It's not just a story for a website. It's something you really believe in. And obviously, 10 women who are all over 45 are really something to behold. Um, so we'll put links on, the, on our website. Um, and I really wish you uh, really good luck with it. Thank you so much. My pleasure. I'm at Speciality and Fine Food Fair. I've been eating loads and loads and loads and actually going around tasting all these lovely things, getting a little bit thirsty. And I've come across Vincent, I think your surname's Efrod. Yeah, that's correct. Very well. I got it wrong. <laughs> um, and Vincent is originally from a little place near Cologne in Germany. That's correct, from Leverkusen. You can tell by the accent, can't you? But for some reason, uh, leaving that beautiful fa- place, um, you decided to go to another beautiful place, actually. I, I used to live there for a little while, uh, Newcastle-upon-Tyne. Yeah, that's correct. Um, so originally I went there to do my master's. That's where I actually met also Lucas at a football game in St. James's Park. And uh, one thing led to another. Uh, we were both extremely fascinated by the British tea culture. Uh, fall in love with it and um, we were surprised that there's nothing that actually combines uh, the two favorite drinks in the UK tea and alcohol so um, we thought it might take two crazy Germans and um, so there we are so two crazy Germans uh, originally from Cologne uh, and, and in Germany who've moved to Newcastle upon Tyne who are now at the speciality in fine food fair in London selling three you've got three particular alcoholic drinks here but they're all infused with tea the british tea yes exactly so um we really brew real loose leaf tea for over eight hours and then blend and infuse it with the finest matching spirit to reflect different tea cultures and uh, different tea flavors 
So you've um, very kindly poured some out for me because I'm, I'm a little bit thirsty with eating. Um, well, I've just been eating Wagyu burgers, burgers actually, which are fantastic. Um, so um, I have one here, which is a beautiful bottle, a square, lovely bottle, um, and you've called it Novel Tea. Yes, novel exactly. Tea. See? And um, so it's an alcoholic tea blend. Now you, this one's oolong. It's oolong tea with whiskey. Yes. Um, and what, what do you try to create here? It's not just it's not just a whiskey infused with tea, is it? No, so it's actually other way around. It's tea infused uh, whiskey. So um, the tale of oolong is our newest flavor. It represents the uh, Chinese tea culture. Um, they love traditional oolong tea. Has fantastic um, tastes, and we have blended it with um, Scottish whiskey because Chinese actually already mix green tea and whiskey. They are fans of Scottish whiskey, so we said we'll keep it very traditional, and um, it's fantastic. Like so, um, so a normal whiskey would be something like forty percent proof. This is eleven percent, so so slightly less than a than a wine. Uh, also, that's correct. Yeah, so it's uh, similar to um, Prosecco or Champagne or a glass of wine. You have 125 ml as a serving, either cold over a couple ice cubes in a nice tumbler or warmed up in a teacup. Um, so however you feel, anytime, perfect. Now, for me, it's, um, it's quite extraordinary. It, it's chilled. You've chilled it. Um, and I'm expecting a whiskey, whereas it's definitely not a whiskey. It's definitely a tea. The taste of tea, it's got uh, really good tea flavours that happens to be slightly alcoholic. So it's, it's probably the other way around that you're expecting. Uh, yes, um, a lot of people um, like, even though people that don't like whiskey love that one because um, the whiskey really finely complements the tea flavour, works um, hand in hand and um, you can just enjoy it. So on 11% proof are not 41, that means you can have one, more than one glass. Um, I'm just getting the uh, the whiskey afterwards. Actually, it's coming through as uh, uh, afterwards. Yeah. Um, and it stays long, as you said. Uh, nice aftertaste. Um, so it um, yeah keeps you busy. Like that one. So and now you've poured me out another one because you've got three flavors. What's the second one you've done? So um, this one is the one we started with, uh, the Tale of Earl Grey. And the Tale of Earl Grey is quintessential British. Uh, it combines the Earl Grey tea with gin. Uh, a lot of people don't know actually that the tea got its name from Charles Earl Grey, who is from Newcastle, and he has a monument. Uh-huh. Yeah, he has a monument right in the city centre. Everyone knows that, and uh, it's therefore that also kind of represents us, where we are from. We are based in the northeast. We love it there. Uh, so Geordie's by choice. Geordie's by choice. Adopted Geordie's. Exactly. So I'm going to taste. I'm going to taste this one. So this yeah. again, I- I'm guessing that this should be a lovely Earl Grey flavour and then I presume I'm getting the sort of alcohol afterwards if, if it follows the first one I've had. Yes, uh, very similar. Um, the juniper and the gin gives a little bit of a kick in the end. You get the bergamot smell and the black tea taste and then comes together. Completely different from the other one. Yeah. Completely different. And that's really on purpose because all our three flavors are um, really trying to capture different tea cultures. And the fascination is that everywhere around the world, tea is the most consumed beverage um, in the world after water. So everyone drinks tea, but very differently, uh, different flavors, different ceremonies. And novelty is about that spirit. Um, so tea with spirit. Oh, I, I really like that, and I wasn't expecting to like it. And I, I, I think I know in America there's there's quite a, a sort of iced tea culture, which is something I've never liked because it, because quite often you get it in tins or it's it's a commodity. 
Whereas here, this feels like a, a, a very grown-up, almost sort of posh, you know, um, luxury, iced, alcoholic drink. It's really, I can imagine sitting in the garden and drinking that in the afternoon, if, if you're having a naughty afternoon. Exactly, a naughty afternoon. I like that. Um, yeah, no, definitely. I think the biggest difference is um, that we use real loose leaf tea. Iced teas are 90% always with concentrates and extracts. And ours is based on real loose leaf tea. We cold brew the tea, which makes a big difference because you only get the finest flavors out without any tannin or bitterness, which you often have if you just brew it too long. Um, and therefore, that makes it very special. Also vegan, gluten-free, no artificial colors. So very much a natural product. And Def- definitely taste the tea, though. Uh, very strong. Uh, and as you say, haven't got the tannins afterwards. Yeah. I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you something. I said I'll only want to taste two. Can I taste the other one as well, please? <laughs> of course. So, so this is the Tangier green mint tea and rum. So, if you wouldn't mind leaning over and getting one of those, that would be amazing. Um, again, I, I can't believe that those two were so different. So, I'm, I'm intrigued to see if this one is as different as the others. Oh yeah, um, so this one is with a top note on the mint. It's very refreshing, uh, very Moroccan style. So it takes you uh, very much to Marrakesh or Tangier um, and then it's um, blended also with a little bit of dried lemongrass, dried apple and with white Caribbean rum. Again, I can't believe it. I really like that as well. It, it's, um, I used to work a little bit in uh, Tunisia and, and got a little bit addicted to their mint tea, which is very different from, from what we have here. And I loved it. I loved it. And that does take me back to that a little bit. And that's, about, uh, that's exactly what we are about, about their journeys, those traveling, the stories, uh, and the appreciation and enjoyment um, of tea, but also the um, entertainment of uh, alcohol. Well, very different, I think. We're seeing a lot of gin and rum and, you know, and vodka infused with things, but this actually is tea first, I think. That's how I would describe it. Uh, naughty tea. Um, so uh, where can we get it from? So uh, you find us in uh, John Lewis and Fennec nationally, but also a high number of speciality retailers across the country, online through our own web, show, uh, web store, and we are just about to launch the Tale of Oolong, the third flavor, and um, yeah, so we're trying to make it accessible to everyone to enjoy those uh, lovely um, naughty tea blends. <laughs> naughty tea blends. So uh, we'll put a link on our website um, and it's called Novel Tea. Um, thank you so much, Vincent, and good luck with it. It's really good. Thank you very much. So there you have it, uh, my uh, annual sort of pilgrimage to Speciality and Fine Food Fair great place to see uh, innovation see who's doing uh, amazing things in the food and drink space and basically just to taste fantastic food and drink um, it's always on in September every year at Olympia um, if you haven't been this year then maybe you should be looking to go next year we're back to normal on the food talk show next week and I'll be joined by my fellow presenter Ollie Lloyd then Music